Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Lincoln Journal Stars Life in the Red podcast. Luke Mullen and Amy just back after a little one week hiatus, took some time away. Important yeah. stuff happened. <laughs> you got sick. Yeah. And yeah. there was snow. So. But uh, a number one team went down. That was, uh, of course, the big news. Nebraska men's basketball's big win. Uh, we'll get into that briefly, but the gut punch has since kind of been an up and down journey uh, for the men's basketball team this last week or so. We'll get into uh, some wins for the women's basketball team as well. More movement amongst the football, volleyball teams, kind of retreading the same stuff, but news updates, of course, as always. And we'll start off with volleyball. Um, you know, we were still having a little bit of roster movement last uh, last time we came on the pod. And obviously, uh, a little bit of settle settlement, I guess you could have in terms of the roster numbers, um, particularly in terms of one in, one out, uh, outside hitter Ali Batenhorst. Uh, was most recent transfer portal entry, um, graduate transfer. And really, I think she had three excellent seasons at Nebraska, but uh, choosing to move on to finish her her college career. Yeah, so she'll stay here um, and finish the semester because um, she, ent- she declared her intentions to enter the portal after the deadline. So she won't officially go into the portal until May, uh, which is when she'll use, she's set to graduate. So you wonder... Um, if she's going to be allowed to practice with the team, just as like a few other uh, outgoing transfers have been able to do in the past, um, just so she can, you know, stay in shape and do all of those things um, before she officially enters the transfer portal um, in May. Okay. Yeah. Good note there on the the eligibility because yeah, the, the, the window closed. So still, Graduate transfers, like you said, they can uh, they can move on, and that's also relevant to Nebraska's other incoming transfer uh, middle blocker. Very important. Uh, we discussed Maggie Mendelson going in the portal. Uh, maybe some need for depth there. And six foot four senior Layla Blackwell uh, committed to Nebraska, and really good accolades for her. Made a Final Four with San Diego this year alone. One hundred thirteen blocks, hit three twenty nine. I mean, has all the makings of a, a really good veteran impact player there. Yeah, yeah, she uh, will be a very good addition. Um, you worried about the depth of that position um, before she transferred and after Maggie uh, decided to leave. Only had two at that spot, and y- you need at least three. You don't have one coming in um, with the freshman class. So, yeah, they had to go out and find one, and I I am pleasantly surprised Um by the the caliber of the one that they got. Yeah, and I think you you look at these two recent additions, Blackwell and Landfair, Taylor Landfair. Uh, these kind of have all the makings of a national championship push. I mean, obviously we knew this is what they'd be trying to do, but I mean, these are two big-time veterans who can help. These are not, you know, untested, you know, young players. These are are uh experienced, you know, impact impact players there. Yeah, absolutely. Um I am very excited to see what they can do uh, in the brief little window that we'll get to see them in spring and then in the fall. Yeah, when the, when the real deal rolls around. but That feels like a million yeah. years from now. <laughs> but certainly a lot of uh, off-season work from this Nebraska volleyball coaching staff getting that team uh, ready to go for, of course, next year's national title push, as we said. So that's the transfer portal update uh, for the volleyball team. On to the basketball action. There's been a lot of Interesting results uh, for the women's basketball team these last couple of weeks. But if we want to take it back a little bit, wanted to get your thoughts, obviously, um, against that, that game against Indiana, uh, retiring Jordan Hooper's jersey number, uh, 
you know, one of the all-time greats, certainly. And I'm sure it was a, a really special moment for her, right? Yeah, it was absolutely special. Um, she got to share the moment with her brother who uh, was on the court with her uh, for that. Um, it's just a really special ceremony. Um, I know that the women's basketball team would have liked to pull out a win for that, but Indiana's a tough, tough team and they couldn't quite get it done, but they've rebounded a little bit uh, since then. Yeah, I think if you look at kind of the the story of these last two weeks or so for the the women's basketball team, real struggles for the offense. Defense has been digging in, but you look at these results and obviously was a, a tough loss to Indiana. Then they had a kind of an ugly 56-48 win over Illinois. Didn't shoot the ball really well, but um, you know did what they needed to do to get it done. And then poor shooting again, 62-58 road loss to Minnesota. That one was a tough one, you know, fell behind early, kind of clawed back, and then you, you kind of have that heartbreak there at the end. Yeah. I don't know what it is about the barn, but this year it's not been a great place for Nebraska men or women to play basketball, that's for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Be excited for uh, no no return trips to Minnesota. Well, in some interesting news, uh looks like they're putting, Minnesota is looking to see what, um, their avenues are as the barn continues to get older. Um, very cursory early study to see the feasibility um, for what a future arena could look like. So, but very early stages on that. So, not anytime soon, but something to watch. Interesting. Yeah. One of those uh, historical venues, of course, very interesting. But in terms of uh, the response to that one, you know, obviously four point loss. Uh, but the defense has been good, and I, I think that certainly showed this most recent win, 62-43 to 43 over Michigan. Um, got in front of them right away. The Huskers did never look back. And one of the, the top statistics stands out from this one, out-rebounded Michigan 46-28. to 28. Which is incredible against any team. But Michigan, uh, coming into that game, was the number three team in rebounding in the Big Ten. Um, they were really good on the offensive glass, grabbing... I think the stat Amy Williams said was about 40% of their misses. So uh, you knew that was going to be a factor and Nebraska just out-rebounded them from the jump. I think they were out-rebounding them 10 to 1 at the first media timeout and they never looked back. Yeah, neutralizing a strength like that, really impressive and also worth highlighting. Kendall Moriarty, uh, kind of a really big impact there off the bench, 11 points in 18 minutes. Um, also liked, I thought Darian White got a little bit more of her scoring mm-hmm. groove back in. I um, mean, you know, obviously her and Jazz Shelley have been doing a really good job, um, you know, facilitating things. But if those two can get scoring in big numbers, you, you kind of think that would be the solution to get uh, get this offense rolling a little bit more again. Yeah, and I, I really liked um, how Kendall Moriarty came off the bench. I thought that once she saw her first shot go in, you could just kind of tell that it was uh, going to be one of those nights for her. And it was, it was a career high, I believe, uh, with her 11 points. So that's great uh, when you can get one of those bench players going. Um, you never know who exactly it's going to be, but yesterday was her night. Certainly. And it's it's kind of been interesting for the women's team. It's been like win, loss, win, loss. They, they, they've kind of been up and down, back and forth a lot. Yeah. Just, that- the, just the way that the schedule has played out and the ups and downs of the season. Yeah, Big Ten play is tough, and mm-hmm. uh, but they're not the only ones struggling with that. Yeah, but I think, you know, they, they have picked up. These have been some, you know, good wins to get some of that momentum back up. And, of course, some big matchups coming up soon. 
the upcoming matchup for Nebraska on the road at Penn State this Sunday. That game will be played at noon. And then a couple days off, almost a full week uh, before the first of two Caitlin Clark showdowns in a 15-day span. Pretty crazy. I didn't necessarily realize how close those matchups were until they, they got a little closer here. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a tough stretch for them. It was good to get the win yesterday against Michigan uh, because Penn State is an incredibly tough place to play. And then, obviously, the the Caitlin Clark show comes to town. So Yeah, I, you get the feeling these two games are really going to test them. We'll know a lot more about the women's team, perhaps, you know, in a, in a week or two after they get out of that tough stretch. And certainly as we, we move on to the, the recent results from the men's basketball team, we know a lot more about the team, but there's still some elements of uncertainty uh, as we go through these, these, uh, these last couple of weeks. And of course, you know, as we go back to recap, there was a big, big moment probably about a week ago, huge success. You know, they'd beaten Indiana and then you have that jubilation. They take down number one Purdue. It's all all good in, in Nebraska basketball world. For a moment. Yep. <laughs> but um, just staying on that trend, though, like that was the most complete game that they've played all season. They looked really good. Uh, rank Mast looked like, you know, a first-team All-Big Ten player, you know, shutting down Zach Eadie for the first half. And then Eadie, of course, went off a little bit in the second half because, you know, what are you going to do against, you know, the seven three or however tall that man is um, guy? And and then the, the world came crashing down on them a few days later. Yeah, certainly. So they'll have that they'll have that season highlight. That's not going anywhere. That went over number one Purdue. Uh, but the results sense, I, I, I've titled it. I think it's like a gut punch, basically, in, in, in every way. It's a kick to something. Yeah. That's for sure. So, I mean, first off, they go on the road. They lose 94-76 to Iowa. They've, they've not been a good road team. A bad Iowa yeah. team, too. Like, this is not one of Fran's best squads. You thought that they could pick up a road win there. Um, but whether you want to chalk that up to just playing poorly on the road or not rebounding well from an, from an emotional win, whatever. But that is one that they needed, and they looked absolutely terrible in that. Yeah, you would have thought at the very least that they would have been way more competitive in that one than they were. So that was already uh, a difficult result to come off of. And then they go on the road. Rutgers, it was a tough, really loud uh, arena to play in. It's an overtime loss. And that is, of course, very consequential this season. But more consequential is Juwan Gary potentially suffering a, a really serious injury. Yeah, as we record, it's one fifty-five on Thursday. Um, no official word has been put out yet about the severity of Juwan Gary's injury. Uh, Fred Hoiberg said last night that it was um, foot, ankle, but didn't uh, give any more specifics about the severity. But anyone who watched it, you know what the fear is. Um, and I hope it's not that. But if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, it's probably a duck. Yeah. So I hope it's not an Achilles because that would be three season-ending injuries for him since he started his career at Alabama. And you hate that for anybody, but you ha hate that for him because of just what he's meant to this team, the person that he is, the player that he is. He is so fun to watch. And I just, I don't want 
it to be another season-ending injury. But I watched it, and it didn't look good. Yeah, and really the unfortunate thing is, too, you know, even if it is perhaps a better prognosis than worst case, you know, it's that's your explosiveness right there. I mean, it's it's really tough to to see an avenue where, um, you know, he he would be able to to contribute to the rest of the season. Again, we don't know. Uh, so we'll we'll wait that full medical um, detail. But to your point, too, I mean, it's like when he's out there on the court, the energy that he plays with, like it just takes hold in the team. And like, obviously, you see your teammates suffer like a difficult injury. That's already going to suck the, some of the energy out of you. Uh, but I think it was very clear as that second half dragged on and, you know, they, they couldn't score the offensive miscues that they were having there in the second half. Like, the loss of Juwan Gary was weighing heavily on them already. Yeah. It, I, uh, it happens, right, where there's a long drought, but almost 10 minutes. The last 10 minutes, 9.39, if we want to be specific, of regulation, they did not make a field goal. They lost, they lost their way. It was like... It went back, in they my fell opinion, off a yeah, cliff. They went back to the old, like, stand around, do nothing, just chuck up, you know, a shot, go ISO. Like, they lost the the free the free flowing offense. It was it was really rough, rough to see that down the stretch. But I think some of the goods from that was, of course, Rink Mass really battled. Uh, he he maybe didn't play his best game, but it was a really tough physical Rutgers interior. Um, they they snagged twenty five offensive rebounds. Um, you know, it was really tough. Obviously, Josiah Alec, um, you know, fouling out too. You know, the the loss of Juwan Gary is is really put so much strain on on these bigs now. Yeah, especially because you look at the bench, and there's no one there because Blaze Kada is still working his way back from his ankle injury, and man, they could have really used him yesterday. Absolutely, yeah. Really, really needed reinforcements. Um, and that was clear down the stretch of the game, you know, especially I think, you know, it's, it's worth talking about this final, this final sequence. Um, you know, first of all, they, they turn the ball over and it's like, okay, this is going to be the most Nebraska way to lose a game, right? And then Rutgers turns it right back and it's a golden, golden opportunity. You got the ball right at the, you know, at the correct end of the court. You don't have to dribble it down and then they don't even get a clean look away. There are so many words that I could say, and none of them would be appropriate for a podcast because uh, they're all a little um, expletive. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's fundamentals, inbounds pass, fundamentals. Got to get the ball in. Yeah, a lob. Yeah. No, yikes. The the hindsight there. there there's got to be some. Uh, what I will say, the the film study that's going on from this game. That's got to be tough. That's got to be tough. I want to be a fly on the wall for that. And then again, I don't. It, they have to learn from it and move it and move on from it. Because that was, that, you lose not one, but two double-digit leads. First half, second half. You don't make a field goal for the last 10-ish minutes of regulation. And it still somehow goes to overtime. Rutgers is begging you to win the game at that point. Just make one one shot, one stop, and you win that game. Certainly, they they had every which chance, and 
if not for Sam Hoiberg, you know, nailing a couple of threes, it could have really gotten away from them um, in overtime, certainly. And and I mean, the the realistic outlook here is, hey, after that Purdue win, everybody's thinking NCAA tournament. And this has really come crashing back down to reality the last two days, um, or the last two games, I should say. Now, certainly there's a lot of season left to be played, but, you know, the the emotional high of that Purdue win, it's it's really, really kind of come back to reality here. Yeah. So it took about five or six-ish games for Nebraska to get back on track last season after Juwan and Emmanuel Bandamel went down with their season-ending injuries, and they made a really strong push for a postseason bid last year. I got close, didn't quite get there. I think this team is deeper. I think this team has collectively more talent uh, than last year's team. They already have more wins than where they were at this point last year. But they need to come out and show that they can do it on games that aren't just at home. Yeah, they're tough. They have a a great fighting spirit, but it's very clear that no Juwan Gary and suddenly the margin for error is really, really shrinking for their season. Yeah, they need Blaze back ASAP. Even if he can only play a minute here, a minute there, in between media timeouts, five-minute stretches, they need him desperately. Certainly. And short turnaround, too. Yeah, no kidding. Northwestern coming to town Saturday afternoon. Um... Really quick, you know, you have to imagine physically, emotionally, they'll still be feeling that a little bit. And I think this game is going to be huge. Like, are they able to kind of have like a cathartic, emotional, like get back to it, like put it behind them? Or are they going to be stuck in the same struggles? Like, it it could be dicey. It could go either way. Yeah, Northwestern has had Nebraska's number uh, for a little bit. So this isn't going to be a cakewalk either. Yeah, so that is uh, really kind of the, the ups and downs for the men's basketball team. Again, plenty of season left to be played, but Juwan Gary, injury, we await those news. Uh, we'll, we'll have it for you, journalstar.com, uh, if we get any more details here soon. But want to touch on football, wrap things up here, um, talk about a little bit more of the off-season work that they've been doing. Um, you know, last, last time we were on the podcast, it was all about visitors coming in, like potential, are they going to land these guys? And man, credit this coaching staff because those players that they identified that they needed, their targets, brought them to campus, brought them for the visit. What a job to land them all. Yeah, I mean, you get all, almost all of the positions that you feel that there's a need for. Um, now, they kick the can down the road of the scholarship problem, but that's not for today. That's for later. Um, but yeah, it'll be an interesting spring. Yeah, certainly. And these transfers in particular... Uh, on offense, the wide receivers, Isaiah Nayer and Jamal Banks, as we talked last time, they're going to be so big to have that outside target. And I think it's great that they got both of them, too. Two veterans who can kind of lead the way. Um, obviously, you know, the, the freshmen who played last year, the young wide receivers, uh, they're, they're, the coaching staff is really high on them. They're going to keep getting playing time, but you need to have those impact guys who've done it know how to get free and can develop with that quarterback too. Yeah, I am excited to see um, what that looks like. Um, I think they'll keep it pretty basic in the spring, but even still, I want to see how they um, assimilate to um, the offense that Glenn Thomas and Marcus Satterfield are going to run together. 
Absolutely. Yep. So new new member of the Nebraska coaching staff, uh, Glenn Thomas, as you said, formerly an offensive assistant for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and as is often the case on this staff, longtime rule associate coach quarterbacks under rule at both Temple and Baylor. Um, and also, as you said, they're going to be co-offensive coordinators, which is going to be interesting, like play calling, game plan, like Obviously, all those details will be ironed out. They don't know all that stuff, or certainly we don't have that, you know, the information yet. But there's going to be some details to be ironed out there about how the offensive game plan and and everything is going to flow on ga- on game days there. Yeah, I'm not so sure um, what they're going to do there. Um, but they've got, like you said, plenty of time to figure it out. Um, with that, Satterfield will coach the tight ends, retain his offensive coordinator title sharing that of course with Thomas and then the interim tight ends coach Josh Merton who filled in after uh Bob Wager uh resigned um before right before the season last year uh when we were driving back from Big Ten media days I believe is when that was um reverts back to being an analyst so they didn't hire an extra uh position coach um but uh it had been a while since uh Martin had the interim tag put on. So yeah, easy to, for easy to forget. And I think that that move makes a lot of sense. Satterfield does have a lot of experience coaching tight ends. And that was initially the plan, you know, as, as rules mm-hmm. assembling his staff that they were going to hire quarterbacks coach, have Satterfield be OC tight ends coach. So, yep. And then something just fell through. Yeah, and, Maybe their target, whoever yeah. they were going after didn't materialize. So, yep. so, it is what it is, and now there's a, a guy who has plenty of quarterback coaching experience. Yeah. I think, you know, it does make a lot of sense. I think, you know, like on paper, if you have an offensive coordinator who coaches quarterbacks, like it makes a lot of sense to have, you know, like the offense going through them. But if you can have that dedicated quarterbacks coach, you got the two different, you know, offensive minds who can contribute. I just think it it's a very positive move, I think, as especially, you know, considering how the offense struggled last year, like, it was clear maybe they needed to to change things, personnel, coaching. Like they've made all these moves. They're they're clearly saying, hey, we have to fix this offense. Gotta gotta get it operating better. Yeah. Well, there'll be a lot of different faces, a lot of similar faces, and we will see what the difference will be. But we've got plenty of time before we see the results of that. <laughs> That's right. Yep. Still uh still work to be done. Husker coach is out recruiting, uh open recruiting period right now. Uh, they're out in Colorado. Matt Rule was, uh, he was in Hawaii earlier this week, checking in on Dylan Rayola down at the Polynesian Bowl. So uh, coaches, coaches all across, uh, all across the country going out. Uh, as always, uh, 2025 is now the focus on them. And I thought it was really nice a couple, uh, couple days ago, a week ago or so, uh, you know, extended some new offers to 2025 in-state players. And these were a, a couple of prospects too, who didn't necessarily have like, FBS offers yet going out to get them first, uh, you know, be that program that's out there recruiting the state, such a big goal for them and, and making the effort this year as well. Yeah. Well, I like it. Yep. Absolutely. So that's your updates for you. Again, uh, all the off season work going on, big games coming up for the men's and women's basketball team. Uh, but that will do it for this episode of the life in the red podcast. Thanks for watching and listening and we'll see you next week.